Hello, and welcome to the Chainsaw Buffet Podcast, the podcast that keeps phoning it in. Uh, today, I have snippets of a conversation between myself and Charlie and Dylan from a couple of months ago. Um, uh, it goes into some really bizarre territory. Uh, so it's hopefully going to be some good listening, but you may want to keep track or else you're going to get lost really quickly because we do uh, go off on some weird tangents. But hope you enjoy, and we will catch you next time. Some people like it, but some people also feel like they have to get into it because, uh, you know... It will be like techno and, uh, you know, like, uh, shit, what's the name of that band? Uh, the Eurythmics. Uh, I like the Eurythmics. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, that's kind of like... <laughs> yeah, but nobody, nobody goes back and says, oh yeah, the Eurythmics, you know, that's, okay, that's, that's... Def- that defines that entire era of music. No, nobody says that. Nobody, says, find... nobody even talks about the fucking 80s when it comes to music, okay? No, actually, nobody they cares. do. That like, is I think it's becoming point. more of a thing. <laughs> talking about the 80s and, and talking about how... Who, who, and, who, and do talk, who do you talk about from the 80s, Dylan? Like, I don't talk about anyone uh, from the 80s. Because I guarantee you, anybody that talks about music from the 80s talks about somebody that was present in the 70s and the 90s, too. Like Aerosmith. <laughs> Yeah. No, no, nobody talks about. Okay, nobody talks about the Eurythmics or Devo or you know the all these Cure. Other, yeah, all these other weird experimental <laughs> new wave uh, '80s bands. Okay. I think again, it has the, to do with 80, our age. The '80s, along with uh, perhaps the the aughts, the the 2000s, might be the two most worthless points in time of music ever. Hmm. Ever. I'm I'm willing to give the benefit of the doubt on the 80s, but I I prefer yes. disco to dubstep. Done. Yeah. It, it, at least the 70s had you know like sort of this funk thing going on where where they're doing interesting things with music, even if it got really old really fast. They were True. at least trying. Dubstep and anyone is, could have an afro. That was a rule in the 70s. Dubstep is like shitty techno. <laughs> Hmm. It's, it's techno it's, with a very particular. Uh, well, no, okay. it's, like a, it's like a subgenre of techno. Deb, dubstep is to techno what avant-garde jazz is to jazz, where you're supposed to be listening to the notes that they're not playing. No, literally, the the definition of dubstep is they slow down the bass line. Tech, uh, techno Super Bowl. Retarded dubstep. Retarded techno. I, I don't know. It's something very, very specific. Technotard. Why didn't they call dubstep technotard? I don't know. Um, I'm going to run to the bathroom before we actually start, you know. Like, don't take the mic podcast. with you this time. I won't. I didn't. Yeah, you like, sure you didn't. Whatever. This is why we don't need wireless mics. Yeah. I, I, no, no, no. Wireless. One, one sweaty, grunting Dylan away. <laughs> I'm arsonist. This... I am one sweaty, grunting down away from serial arson. So it could be Dylan on a stationary bike. It could be anything. <laughs> as long as he is sweaty and grunting. Dylan's sex tapes, you know, whatever. 
<laughs> Dylan's sex tape of him on a stationary bike in the bathroom. <laughs> Taking a dump. Taking a dump. <laughs> oh. Wow. Has he gone to the toilet yet? Okay, I'm, 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 gonna, I'm going to assume so. I'm going to take that silence as he did not take the mic with him this time. Yeah. That, that is a load off my mind. Yeah, he'll be a load <laughs> off of his, too. Buzzing! Superman. <laughs> oh. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> So what should we talk about in his absence? Uh, I don't know. I hear the water running next door, so he may be washing his hands. It may just been a quick, uh, a quick onesie. Yeah, there's the door opening. Crap! Better hurry up and and say something that he's going to regret missing. Uh, um, uh, uh, got nothing. Yeah, too much pressure. Yeah, <laughs> performance anxiety. Right. It's yeah. too much pressure. Nothing we I can't get it up because of performance anxiety. Yeah! <laughs> ah! Bet you're happy you asked. I'm glad I've got a recording of this. because I So can we can listen to it later. How you guys got to this point. Dylan, the, the, is, the... Dylan has an amazing scholarly interest in the inner workings of my penis. No, it I doesn't. don't. That's that's why he that that's why he's really looking forward to going back on this recording. You know, I'm I am gonna point out something that you guys are making jokes about. You know, like taking a microphone into into the bathroom and how how we shouldn't do that before recording an episode where we're clearly gonna be talking about poop. That's that's true. You guys you guys are gonna bring that up. That's gonna not, happen. No no, we're not going to bring it up. This, well, this is the glory of it. We're not going to say a word. Jess is going to bring it up all on her own. We don't uh, have to do a thing. Unless we, unless, unless she, she may make the conscious decision that she's going to be on her best behavior. Uh, yeah. And that's going to suck. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to do my best to make her comfortable in the early stages to where yeah, that we, doesn't happen. We need to, we need to make sure that door, that, that poop door is open. I think, um, uh, no, I'm just not. Like, like we could, we could have a lead in. Like, oh, Jess, uh, you can't hear just in time. Dylan just got back from the bathroom. Bam. <sighs> yeah. Anyway, I, I can hear Jennifer doing something in the background, and and I'm sure it involves torturing an animal. <laughs> you are correct. Bam. I am I, I a wizard? But I was but I passed the cat in the hallway. Well, well the, we cat, could... the cat's in here now and now she's torturing it. Oh okay. She could, hey, she could have been torturing John. No treating him like an animal. I don't make the sounds when she tortures me. Awkward silence. Sexy awkward silence. I'm watching the cat kick its poor little stubby legs. <laughs> one day, one day Jennifer will tire of those legs and take them off of the cat so the cat can't run away. It's true. Oh. Then it'll have to love her. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
John, watch your legs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh. She created a Valentine for the cat. She did. <laughs> so yeah. That is a real thing that happened. <laughs> Holy crap, I love it. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna I'm 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 gonna point something out. Uh, have have any of her other friends or her husband gotten a Valentine? Was the cat the first person she gave a Valentine to? I I hope the cat was both the first and the only, because it'll be a great Ooh. just how far she's gone off the deep end. That's dark. That's like uh, I don't know. No. Oh. Oh. no. No, 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 I think we should all give Valentine's to the cat. Then Jennifer won't feel special anymore. Or Ooh, she'll that, honor. There's so much assumption packed up in that statement, Charlie. I can assume many things. Like, you're making assumptions for why she gave the Valentine to the cat. I'm, I'm assuming it's a peace offering after years of torture. No. There is that. If it were a peace offering, it would be uh, followed up by peace. Oh, it's a trap! <laughs> it's a trap. She's trying to lull the cat into a false sense of security. Get it close. Mm-hmm. So she can take its legs. Why would you want to take a cat's legs? So it can't run, duh. It does seem like the rather obvious answer. I mean, do we need to start quoting Karate Kid movies? A cat can't stand, he can't fight. Paraphrasing, I guess. Yeah. I, I couldn't do that. If it bleeds, we cat. can kill it. <laughs> Wait. That's <was> Predator. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Oh, 80s movies are, are a different story than the 80s music. 80s movies were far more memorable. Holy crap, yes. Like they die were hard. And wonderful simultaneously. Yes. Oh, wow. See? Ghostbusters, that's a good movie. Yes. That's a movie I can watch any day of the week, anytime. What would you say? Ghostbusters. Yeah, I could I could do that. It is just a good movie. What's another good 80s movie you can just watch any time? Uh. You know what? I'm going to say it, and, and, and fuck anyone who disagrees with me. I'm going to go with Real Genius. Man, I don't even... I Like, the name sounds familiar, but I don't even remember what it's about. I'm probably misremembering the title. Bam! Hmm. Enjoy internet trying to figure out what the hell I'm talking about because I don't even know. <sighs> to the internet. No, I'm not. Yeah, um, not 80s, but uh, early 90s maybe came on uh, TV today that I sat and watched uh, through its uh, duration. Uh, Robin Hood Men in Tights. Yes, that is a pretty good one, but but um, I guess not. I guess eighties we we'd be going back to the Princess Bride though. I just about... saw that one actually. That came on like BBC America last night, and got I got to see a, a decent chunk of it. That that is actually on my list of of probably like top three, four, five favorite movies. 
Anyway, I'm sorry. You were you're going to say something about uh, Robin Hood Men in Tights, and I got distracted. Oh, um, not not my not my favorite Mel Brooks movie. It is it is one of them, but there are a few that I think, I think Spaceballs is up there. Spaceballs is definitely up there. Like if you're just talking Mel Brooks, any any time period. Um, I gotta go with my with the best ones being in no particular order. Spaceballs, Young Frankenstein, and Blazing Saddles. Um, that's just my personal picks. And then by the time you, because by the time you get to, um, oh, what was one of the last ones that anyone remembers? Dracula Dead and Loving It. Yes. I did not care for it. I vaguely remember seeing that one, and I can't say that about, like, I, I never saw Young Frankenstein. I haven't seen Blazing Saddles. What? We were just- that. Never gotten around to it, but uh, you know, it's soon. You need to get around to it. Okay, whatever. What? I actually do have Blazing Saddles on DVD. I think. Since oh, and I found Real Genius. I was correct. It and it's right smack dab in the middle, 1985. Who's in it, and what's it about? Val Kilmer. That's all you need to know. Does he click his teeth really gaily? No, unfortunately. Um, let's see. Let me see if I can find the uh, the synopsis. Uh, nope. It uh, best I can do. Teenage geniuses deal with their abilities while developing a laser. I made that sound more dramatic than it really is. Yeah. But that that is a movie that 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 you can watch. And- I just keep. I hear the name and I think real men of genius. Yeah, I can see that. I I want to exclude uh, the uh, from from the discussion of memorable eighties movies. The whole uh, what was her name in the Breakfast Club? Molly, Molly Ringwald. Ringwald. Yeah, all that shit. I want to exclude all of that. Again, Here's, movies I never I, saw. The Molly, any movie that Molly Ringwald was. In fact, any of um. Oh crap! What was the director's name? John Hughes. Yes, thank you, John Hughes. Any of his movies, um, or at least the movies that I can think of, so I could be completely wrong. Those were, and I think, and I can, I, I'm, I'm thinking I can guess the reason why they don't rate highly on on our scales, is because I think for those to rate highly, you had to be either almost or a teenager when they came out. Here, here is my problem. Um. Even when I was a teenager, I've never found uh, shows and movies about high school to be particularly compelling, interesting, or even realistic. True, mm. but I think... But, those... but my high school experience sucked major dick, so... I yeah. Mean, was... Well, I mean, that's the case for most of us, so I think, like, we're not... Like, you actually have to have a more typical teenage existence to enjoy it. But the ones in the 80s were a very specific type of high school movie. And I, I, I suspect that Charlie's right. And the same thing carries over to the 80s music that we were talking about. Like, you have to have been in that age range to really get into it. Well, that, I was about to yeah. say, that, that gets into a whole other uh, sociological uh, discussion that I don't know that we want to get into because... There is this whole thing of, um, you know, growing up with something, not just nostalgia, but, 
you know, you you don't correctly you don't necessarily have enough uh, experience to fall back on to know if something is good or not. It's like mm, uh, people. Yes. It's it's like I'll see people that are probably in their early twenties reminiscing about like uh, Sonic Adventure and Sonic Adventure Two as as being you know good games. And I was I remember when those games came out on the Dreamcast and I'm like, man, this fucking sucks. Like they, they mm-hmm. you know, I, I I never cared for any 3D Sonic game. And uh, you know, hearing people talk about those games like they're even you know decent, it was just sort of a a shock to me. I'm like, what the fuck are you even talking about? Those games are fucking terrible. They were, you know, everybody thought they were terrible when they came out. Uh, I played them on, I played the demos of them on Xbox Live, and they were still wonky and terrible. Mm-hmm. And uh, but but then it struck me, yeah, they were probably like five or six when when that game came out. And yeah, that would make sense. Wait, I have to take back one thing. I just found a John Hughes movie um, that I do have to give credit for as as being good and just about and one that I could just about watch any day. Okay. Um, and that is Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah, the thing about John Hughes is he did a lot of movies because I want to say he was involved with Home Alone he, yes. and like I think you he did name every any iconic in the movies. 80s. Let's see. Let's just go through a few of them that that would strike anybody. Um, or let's see. Uh, Sixteen Candles, Breakfast Club, European Vacation, Weird Science, Pretty in Pink, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Yes. Uh, the Great Outdoors. Uncle Buck apparently yes. worked a lot with John Candy. John Candy, yes. Uh, Christmas Vacation, Home Alone, Career Opportunities, Dutch, Home Alone Two, Beethoven, Beethoven Second, Dennis the Menace. So yeah, a lot of those movies that you probably don't want to remember too. Let's just be honest. We're already up to Beethoven and Home Alone being in their fourth to fifth incarnations. You know, here's a here's a weird thing. I never liked any of those movies growing up, and now I, I until just now I was never. Of course, I'm anyone who knows I'm not a big movie guy. So like everybody's like, how did you not know that Johnny is directing all those movies? Well, I don't give a shit. That that would be how I don't know, but. Yeah, that that just suddenly explains so much as to why I don't like any of those films. I'm like, wow, there's a connection there, and suddenly everything make the world makes a little bit more sense. It's not that I'm uh, some sort of weird outlier. It's just that that guy made a shit ton of movies and they all fucking sucked. No, there's a few that are decent. Ferris Bueller's Day Off is probably my favorite of them, but there 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 are a few that I can watch just about any time. So what uh, what other Let's see, what other 80s movies are, are good rewatchables? And I, I don't know. I know, it's a tough one. I think I've gone through most of the ones. I'm going to, wait, wait, let me, I'm pretty sure it's 80s. I'm almost positive. I'm going to go ahead and say it. Clue. Yeah, that one yes. is 80s. Oh, also 85. Freaking, lo- that is actually on my top, my list of, of like top four or five movies. I, I think- freaking love that movie my problem with naming top four to five movies is a lot of the movies you name like clue and you know some of the the vacation movies and things like that like they all rate highly but it's been so long since i've seen them that i feel kind of wrong saying they're like a top movie i think part of my problem is i just don't go back and rewatch movies much 
most of the ones on my list are now oddly enough most of the ones on my list are movies that i have not seen in a number of years except for princess bride yeah um but they are ones that up until the last time i watched them i watched them a lot i could see that i think my fear is if i start naming movies like that then what I'm naming is the movies I like the idea of, but don't actually remember. You know, like I remember one or two scenes that I thought were amazing and, you know, I'm building the rest of the movie around that. Gotcha. Hmm. Luckily, I built my list and really haven't changed it since college. So I'm not, even if I'm misremembering them, I'm, I compiled my list when they were all still fresh in my head. So it still works for me. Because I don't think... I think everything on my list, the, the newest one, is like 14 years old. I don't know that I've ever been bothered to make a list of favorite movies or anything like that. Yeah, again, not re-watching movies, it kind of makes that whole list pointless like i can tell you kind of the the genres that i like but mm -hmm. you know i don't know that that means more to me than a list of top movies yeah it's, it's one of those things where i i feel like my list of movies might be movies that i really liked and think are good on some sort of technical level but they might not be movies i would watch over and over again which is kind of weird yeah, hmm. I, I think there's really something to be said for a movie being enjoyable enough to just watch, especially after it's been out for a number of years. Well, think, you can you can really love a movie and not be able to rewatch it. I, I don't I don't I don't think there's any necessarily any problem with being in that situation to say that movie was just awesome. I loved it, but I I just cannot watch it again. Comedies I think are generally more watchable. Like I. I would yeah. have a hard time going back and rewatching Fight Club or Shutter Island or yeah. some of like great movies, but like once you know what's going on. Well, know. or I mean, yeah, but just like and and the sadder movies, you know, if one of your favorite movies could be Schindler's List, that doesn't mean you want to watch it every Christmas. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. There's no one, I, I hope to God, there's no one whose family Christmas tradition is to sit down with a copy of Schindler's List. Wow, that's... Uh. Those people, the, the people that, if there are any people that do that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to take a guess that they fall to one of two extremes. Um, either, I'm, I'm going to go with extreme self-loathing Jews or neo-Nazis. That's wow. That's... <clears throat> I, I, I think you've got to fall to an extreme of that spectrum to say, you know, it's Christmas. Let's let's pop celebrate Schindler's, Schindler's List. List. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's pop in, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. Let's watch Schindler's List. Uh, well, okay. That's what we Although did. that's what we, uh, my family did for Hanukkah. You know, it was eight nights of Schindler's List. <laughs> There's actually. <laughs> A similar discussion to this on um, <clears throat> uh, extra credits on Penny Arcade TV. I can't remember which episode, but they've got one where they talk about that basically in terms of video games, 
we don't really understand engagement outside of fun. Like, you know, in movies, you know, sad movies, you know, depressing movies, things like that are not considered fun, but they're a form of art. And they're the, the out, like the, the outcome of the episode is like games need to move more that direction where we're okay with something not being fun so long as it's engaging in a different way. But. I, that's, okay. that's a tough argument. That's, I, I mean, I can see the, the, the technical merit of that argument. Here's, here's but. the difference. Uh, there are lots of games that I think are, that have excellent gameplay, are well put together, look great, don't have any, you know, have very few what you would consider to be technical flaws. Yeah. That aren't necessarily fun. Yeah. Um, They're not talking about, like, fun as the end result. Like, oh, this just, this missed the mark, but actually going after styles of play that are not necessarily engaging because, you know, you're delighted with it, you know. It, it It's worth a, a watch because I think it also brings out, like, what we're discussing in movies. There's, you know, it's the same reason why there are some really good movies that you would not watch over and over. Well, uh, kind of getting to that, there are... Okay. It, it almost sounds like you know, we need to be able to accept a game that doesn't have very good gameplay because it it has some other merit to it. And the I, the, ar- I, the argument isn't bad gameplay; it's type of gameplay. Well, that I I I don't know where the distinction is because good gameplay is good gameplay. Period. Um. You know, mm. there it's. Resident Evil would be a moderately decent example here because the early Resident Evil games have wretched gameplay. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think anyone can can argue that. Um, but what they sold on was atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so so that type of game has has existed for some time now. Um. And they've, you know, they sold several installments based on that. Um, while people have have questioned the change in atmosphere along with the change in gameplay uh, of some of the later Resident Evil titles, I think that those titles are better as games because the the gameplay itself is more solid. Mm. Um, I guess, and I can, I think I see where where your argument is Dylan or where that their argument is um that well in in the sense of like something like Schindler's list that can be good but not necessarily enjoyable yeah um but i guess i guess and and the thing is i can make an argument to for why i don't think that works for video games but it involves me having to make some admissions about you know, or having to check myself to say well maybe i'm wrong so i'll say it this way until society as a whole will accept video game as a form of art rather than just as a form of entertainment i don't i i would have to then disagree with with the argument 
of looking into those types of games. If you see yeah. what I'm saying, that that until until people are because in most people's minds, a video game is not. I mean, they might on some secondary, tertiary level say, "Okay, I can see that as an, a form of art," but first and foremost, it is still a form of entertainment. And until it can be seen as a form of art, I don't know that you can get a. I don't know that that people will be very accepting. You're never gonna you're never gonna make a lot of money off of a game, game as art versus at, at the expense of game as entertainment. Well, yeah, I think. I can't remember if they bring this up, but I mean, it's basically the same reason that, you know, big action blockbusters sell well. But if you're going to see a more dramatic film, a lot of times, yeah, you're going to have to go to like the, you know, the art house theater type. Yeah. Not not always, but, you know. And I think video games are going to be the same way. If you're, if you're wanting to look for a game as art, you're probably going to have to look to like indie games and stuff like that. I, yeah. I, think, those, I think the problem that I have with, with this particular, at least from my understanding as Dylan was describing it, this particular you know conversation is that we're talking as if these games don't already exist. Um, yeah. Because, I, because there are games that... Um, true. Like Good Shadow point. of the Colossus... Um, Yes, is a terrific example of this, um, and they actually uh, PBS has a uh, idea channel on YouTube mm-hmm. uh, that recently just uh, talked about video games as art and mentioned Shadow of the Colossus, and the whole reason that that works is it's it's kind of that game where yeah everything about the game feels good. I mean you know the the gameplay is solid. It's it's got a very interesting concept. Um, you could say it's it's fun and rewarding, but you don't feel like you're having fun when you're playing it. You feel like you're you're playing a very serious game because it has some very heavy themes that are pervasive throughout um, mm. the entire game. Because you know you it, from the very beginning of the game itself, after you kill the very first colossi, you have this innate feeling that something is 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 not right. Mm. Yeah. Um, you know, Dylan, I know you've talked a lot recently about, you know, Spec Ops in line and how it kind of flips the script on your head and being like, yeah, you've done a lot of terrible, monstrous things. That's a lot like how Shadow of the Colossus did years ago. Yeah. Because, you know, you you don't realize until the very end of the game what it is you've done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it really changes uh, the way that you feel about having played the game on top of uh, the very end of the game also changes how you feel about another game that that company made that wasn't related to it at all until you realize that there's a connection at the end. Talking about um, Eco? Yeah. That's that's actually what they're talking about i don't i'm not doing justice to to the point they're trying to make and they they may actually mention that those games okay. i may be wrong i know they've they've mentioned them in other videos but um yeah as and the theme comes up again in spec ops the line in, in the episode they do on that because basically what they say is this is technically not a very good shooter and they list out all the reasons it's not Mm-hmm. But they say it basically kind of leans into that and goes, well, it's not a very good shooter because it's kind of, you know, questioning the shooter genre. 
um it, it's it knows that's that weakness that's a weakness and it goes with it um mm-hmm. but i think their argument is not yeah like you say there are examples of that but they're very hard to sell because basically the you know the argument they're making is if you try to sell a game like that if you tried to sell a game like shadow of the colossus or eco um a lot of times you'd have you know the people who are managing the projects come up and go well no we need to add something in to make this fun um kind of like with with uh, spec ops one of the problems with it was you know it's not a great shooter but they kind of shoehorned in a multiplayer mode because well every shooter has to have a multiplayer mode i'm Hmm. i'm going to say this um without a lot of fact to back this up but i believe this to be the case and if i'm wrong i'll i'll happily you know retract my statement but i fear a large part of the problem is that somewhere in uh the the corporate machinations that lead to a game being released we still have people in positions of influence and power within game publishers that still don't understand video games. They're, you know, they're they're old, uh, you know, they're old dudes. You know, yeah. they're re- they're really old <clears throat> conservative people that may have terrific business acumen, but business acumen does not always translate into great games. And um, a good example of of sort of people of of what business people think people want going awry is sort of the you know look at the reaction when they uh did a reboot of devil may cry mm-hmm. you know they 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 basically remade a series that nobody was wanting to to have them remake we were fine with dante as he was and then they uh changed him into this you know, sort of modern-day emo-looking, you know, bad boy that was supposed to be more relatable to a modern audience um, as opposed to sort of the, you know, crazy, almost comic booky, uh goofy anime character that the old Dante was. But, you know, what they didn't realize is that as an audience as a whole, people that were fans of, the, of that franchise were fine with the character as he was. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And and there's been other examples of that. Um I I, I guess some people would say that Resident Evil has, has fallen victim to that because it's uh more action oriented, less survival horror, but again, uh I've 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 been on the other side of that argument uh before because I just don't care for uh, the horror genre because I think it's very cliched and very played out and unless yeah. somebody wants to come along and do something that's either funny or interesting like a zombie land or a high school of the dead um, mm-hmm. or or what um, you know like Vampire Hunter D although that, Vampire Hunter D was way ahead of its time I, I wish Vampire Hunter D had come out in you know 2012 instead of 1987 so it could basically break up the uh, the way vampires and other horror monsters are kind of used now. Yes. So maybe what we need is a revival of Vampire Hunter D. I, Not a revival in the sense of remaking it, but just a a re-release. 
I could see that. I mean, or even, like even a new movie because I the I don't know how large or how long the manga went on uh, the Yoshitaka Amano manga. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know that you know there's really only been the two films, the original and uh, Bloodless, which came out um the, like 2001 or something. So we're overdue. Yeah. That, well, well, not overdue, but we're 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 at it's time for another one. It, it would be nice if they would do another one. I don't know that that will happen. I don't know if there's much of a demand for it, but it 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 would be the reverse of what happened with going from Blood the Last Vampire to Blood Plus. Yes. Where mm-hmm. where in Blood the Last Vampire, Saya was sort of this remorseless, you know, killing machine and in Blood Plus, she was just fucking awful. I, <laughs> See, I, 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 I saw Blood was, Plus, but never saw Blood the Last Vampire. I saw Blood the Last Vampire, and I was willing to accept, you know, that she wasn't that that she had been changed, that she wasn't the same character, she didn't have the same memories. I was willing to accept all that until you know we went fifty-one episodes into it, and at the very end, you know, she just pusses out and you know starts this whole thing, you know, on a cyclical cycle back, you know, back on itself. But that my my issue with that show was mainly it was twenty-six episodes too long because they, you know, at the end of the first season they had all this rising action building to to a reasonable climax of what had taken place so far, um, and I hadn't followed the series closely enough to know that you know there was a season two of it and then watching it on i think adult swim at the time uh just watching it take a, a severe left turn mm. and then continue yeah, on for another I, season yeah, i have I was, to agree i was like blood plus was definitely i was like overlived. what the fuck are they doing yeah and, and then they introduced like 18 new characters in season two and i was just fucking done with it I do I do have a problem with shows that that the when, when the first season the pacing is perfect and it really seems like you're coming to a conclusion and then when you get a second season it kind of says oh yeah all that stuff happened but you know maybe not um see I I'm going to Guys, if you're listening to this, we're recording this. Um, I'm gonna go into some spoiler territory on a couple of these shows, but no. Um, Sh- uh, Shakugan no Shana uh, was a show that I, uh, you know, kind of enjoyed when it first came out. It was a late Genion title, um, and it had this build up towards this really climactic main character might die, uh, sort of in game. Mm. Um, where where you would gen, where it had you genuinely believing that the main character uh, would would very well die at the end of this at the end of the show, and they backed off of that as fast as they fucking could, and then made two more seasons. Hmm. Um, and then there was uh, Chrono Cru- uh, Crusade. I almost said Chrono Cross, which is another piece of shit entirely. Um, <laughs> But oh man, Chrono Crusade. I know a lot of people don't like the ending, you know, yeah. because it's it's kind of depressing. But I really, I really applauded the ending because they fucking stuck to their guns. 
You yeah. know, they they didn't have some sort of magic. Oh, everything's going to be okay in the end now. No, they they had a mechanic in there. They stuck with it to its logical conclusion, and that was it. Hmm. It Kudos was, to it, them. Then. It was depressing as fuck, but it, you know, I was just like, you know what? I I give you guys credit for it because, you know, I I sat here the whole time saying, oh, it was, you know, it's going to work out. They're gonna they're gonna find a way around it. They never did. The problem is, if they hmm. find if they found a way around it, they wouldn't. It it almost makes it too easy to go. We're gonna do another show instead of going. Not, oh, not even just, that. There's just so many shows that they they sort of hold that as as a red herring. You know, they kind of keep suspense going when you yeah. know the good guy's going to win. Um. But even after a while, you know, after you've seen a bunch of shows that do that, you're like, uh, you know, nobody's nobody's gonna die at the end of the show. That's just how these yeah. things go. So when they actually do it, regardless of if there was ever any plans to make another season or not, I always appreciate it a little bit more when you stick to your guns. Well, and I and and sort of tangentially related, um, like the idea that you get the you, when you get the sort of okay, I know the main characters are not going to die, so there's no tension. Um, there is a way to use that, and there are, there are some franchises, some properties that have done so, and by taking it to its extreme where, well, of course you know none of the main characters are going to die because they're just too awesome, and then the joy, rather than the drama of, you know, will they or won't they die or succeed or fail, it's they're just so awesome or badass or whatever that you're interested in seeing how they pull it off uh, uh, against enormous odds. I, I would say that, uh, and I bring this up all the time, I would say Kenshin is an excellent example of that. Um, because I've said this a hundred times before, and I don't know how many times I've said it when I've actually been recording, but the beauty of Rurouni Kenshin as a fighting anime, is that it takes the entire convention and turns it on its head. Uh, mm. Because every other fighting anime is about the main character becoming stronger um, so he can so he can take down the newest threat. Rurouni Kenshin, specifically uh, the first season, um, the Wandering Samurai arc, is not about Kenshin becoming stronger because he already starts the show as the baddest motherfucker on the planet. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about he doesn't want to fight anymore, and he has a he is he has a self-imposed mandate to never kill again. And how can he keep that going as as people from his past, you know, come back and try to take revenge on him or people close to him? And I, I do like that show, and I and I love that that arc in particular. Um, um, unfor- when they're first setting it up is. I was about to say, unfortunately. As as excellent as some of the action is in the second arc, uh, the uh, what is it? Uh, the Legend of Kyoto arc. Yes. Uh, the Shishio arc. Um, towards the end, um, unfortunately, they they add some mechanics that really just sort of cheapen the whole thing. A little bit, yeah. Um, and, yeah. It's like, although that's not anywhere near as bad as the the filler, Kenshin finds the Christian cult arc, 
but uh, what arc are you talking about? There is no such arc. Yeah, they never. It's it's a sad. It's sad that there are only two seasons of Rurouni Kenshin. They never uh, animated the revenge arc of the manga. Isn't that, that a horrible true fact? Because that that's just man. You want to talk about a kick in the teeth? You know, the end of that arc sets up uh, what's known as the the revenge arc, where uh, you know it goes back to what's what's later gone into in Samurai X with Kenshin's dead wife and and mm. uh, his his former uh, brother-in-law coming back to take revenge on him and you get that third arc instead <laughs> but in the in and in the vein of the heroes are just too badass or clever or whatever to possibly lose in the end um and while I don't find it necessarily all that rewatchable, I really enjoyed it the first time through. Although the ending was was a little annoying in places, was um, Coyote Ragtime Show. Oh yeah, I did see that. Um... That was one of those where like it doesn't take you very long to piece together. There's no way these guys can lose. I mean, they are stacking just impossible odds against them, and you know full well. There's no way that any of these people aren't going to make it in the end. Um, and I can't remember what it was. It's been a while since I watched it. There's something about the last episode. The way it ended kind of pissed me off, and I don't remember what it was about it. I I vaguely remember that as well. It seemed like it was it was something of a cop out. I think I watched that on maybe Hulu. Could be. Yeah, I think it was on Hulu. <laughs> I, I watched it somewhere online for free. Yeah, I, I actually I, I own it. I got it for birthday, Christmas, something like that. I think I now own it as well because I think I inherited that when Nathan ditched all of his DVDs. It, it I, was Coyote Ragtime Show. Was essentially to me, and this is what what remind what it put me in mind of was it, it was sort of the anime version of the kind of the Oceans series. Uh, you know, Oceans Eleven, Oceans Twelve. Although Ocean it was way 15, more over the top. Yeah, it was because that's what anime can and often does do. But and, and and the Ocean series of movies is also another good example of that where let's let's face facts, nobody's going into those movies or watching movies thinking, Oh, this might not work out. No, you know it's gonna work out. And you know that it's gonna be some really weird like double, triple, quadruple cross, and you'll find and even though it looks like maybe they failed, it's the way they make it out is so spectacularly impossible that you almost have to laugh. And and it is enjoyable in that sense. Um, not necessarily a great deal of drama or tension involved, always, but but enjoyable. You know, um, while we're on the subject, I, I know there are a lot of people that say this is a bad show, and I, I'm not even, you know... I don't know that's necessarily a bad show, but I'm not even going to try and defend it. Mm-hmm. It's where uh, it's like, I don't care if it's a bad show or not, because it's so entertaining and it's so watchable, regardless of how many times I've seen it. But Code Geass does an excellent job with that. Hmm. Um, it, I've yet to watch the, the second season of that, actually. Well, the, the second season... Goat falls into the problem of, um, one if, if you know how the first season ends, mm-hmm. um, you know the second season falls into this weird trap of okay, uh, so are we really going through all this again? 
Mm-hmm. And the answer is yes, but we're going to do it even way more outrageously than we did the first time. Um, and, hmm. it's one of, and it's one of those shows where Lelouch is so smart that uh, you, you just you know that he's going to get his way eventually, but you're just watching to see uh, what the next twist in the story is going to be and, and how he's going to pull it off. Um, and, and it's with sometimes uh, mixed results, sometimes entertaining results. It's one of those shows where I don't know how rewatchable it is. It really depends on how much you just enjoyed it the first time. Um, like, I can watch it over and over again, but I could see, like... After you know all the twists, after you know how everything plays out, you just wouldn't want to watch it again. But it does do a, an excellent job of, of keeping you guessing. The outcome is never in question, but the means are. Did that lose everybody, or is everybody just quiet? I I don't know. I haven't seen it, so you kind of lost me, and I, I don't know how to follow that up. But... Uh, it, well, it's just, it's just one of those weird shows where it's... It's like, okay, you know, they're going to win, but how are they going to do it? Yeah. I actually I actually don't mind that. Like, I know a lot of people hate spoilers, but a lot of times spoilers will make me want to watch a show. You know, like I know okay, I know they're gonna win. I wanna see how they get there. Yeah. Uh Kogios definitely uh does it a little bit differently, but um, it, it's also one of those shows that is really weird in in some of its fan service elements, and you know had the whole Pizza Hut marketing thing. So I think that you know those are some of the things that kind of turn people off of it. But uh, I think it it's worth noting just how supremely clever it is with keeping you engaged. And I think that's important, even if it's not a high integrity show per se it's it's still it, it has merit in that it can, in that it can entertain you without holding you hostage for 700 episodes it, it can move along it, it moves along very quickly yeah um if if it were, if it were written by uh by tite kubo or the guy who writes Naruto, or uh, you can just call Kishimoto, out the anime. So you don't have to, or, you know, like if, sidestep around the issue by or, name. Or One oh. Piece. If it, if it were Naruto or One Piece or Bleach, you know, Kogios would be into like 300 episodes. But, oh yeah, I mean, but fortunately, you can take almost anything and stretch it out like that. So, yeah. I mean, it's not that like if you watch the first season of bleach or Naruto or whatever, like they start out introducing a really good overall concept. And then somewhere it just goes off the rails. Charlie, are you back? I think so. Okay. I have no idea what happened. It just completely broke, it broke up and then it tried to reconnect and then gone. Okay. what I miss? Anything good? Oh, nothing really. Um, Yu Yu Hakusho was was kind of one of those shows that that uh, missed missed the mark at the end. Never saw the end of that one actually. I saw because that was I watched it on uh, Cartoon Network. Yeah, and like I caught some of the the last one was the third season, wasn't it? 
because you had whatever, and then the dark tournament, and then the demon tournament, right? Yeah. I saw some of the demon tournament stuff, but I think it was mostly early or middle stuff. Like I don't know that I saw any of the end. Did, and... did you get far enough to figure out uh, the whole thing with uh, Yusuke's dad? Other than that, he was like a demon or something. Yes, that, that was and I don't... that was fucking terrible. And I don't even know if I saw that or heard about it later because that was one of those times when, and I want to think I may have been like working at Walmart at the time, that they were showing the the Demon Tournament on the on oh, it wasn't Adult Swim I guess I guess it was Cartoon Network, but it was on at like three in the morning or four I mean like some ridiculous time, and it didn't it felt like it wasn't every day at that time I mean it, it was. So I, it was extremely spotty what I caught. Like I caught, I pretty much watched, I think, all of it from the beginning through the end of the dark tournament. But the demon tournament stuff is is extremely spotty. Yeah. Um, well, I have the whole series on DVD, and like as soon as as soon as you know, you find out Yusuke's dad was was the king of the demons. I'm like, no, no, <laughs> just stop. <laughs> just stop. Just just roll the curtains and and, and... I, in my mind you're waving your hand dismissively at the TV going, "Oh, just just just, just stop. no, stop. Come, come on. Just roll credits. Come, it's a joke. Come on." It was so bad. I mean, they 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 did well in wrapping it up and then it nicely, but it was just, it was so painful. It was the most painful thing they could have why, done. Why did Yusuke need to be the son of the Demon King? The same reason that Ichigo's father needed to be a Soul Reaper and his mother needed to be a Quincy. Because why the hell not? But because fighting animes are about being the strongest, so. You know, you have to be the most baddest ass yeah. of everything you're fighting. And here is my here is my problem with that is that I okay I will accept that in most fighting animes the whole point is to be the best there ever was. Right. I I will accept that, and 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 I will accept as tedious as it is the constant need to train and get stronger. I will accept that in concept on as an idea. As communism looks good on paper, bad in practice. But, but I think they completely because the whole point. I, it seems to me like, especially if you consider, um, I think Bleach and Yu Hakusho are great examples of it, where you've got someone that's like kind of the bad boy, but somewhat relatable. You know, he's not the the, the obviously the character is far from perfect. Um, it's almost like the attempt. I think to make them relatable like oh that's not uh, too dissimilar from myself in some way and then they get stronger in the eye and 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 it always seems to me that in in not maybe necessarily implied but as tangentially as a as an after effect implied that you know that you can also become better through whatever training you go through education or physical training whatever you can become the best there ever was However, once you introduce the element that, 
oh, this person's father was a soul reaper, mother was a Quincy. And you're like, well, fuck him. Who the fuck does he think he is? Well, but he's the best there ever was. They have he, to do. He that. has genetically that son of a bitch. Exactly. That that is exactly the point and why I hate those things because, um, the the idea be- behind all this. Ard- and and even Naruto has a spoof of this um, mm. with Rock Lee, mm. where the the idea the the ideal that we want to have in these stories is, if you work hard and you dedicate yourself and you do all the right things, you can become something great. That's the thing we want to believe. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, um, either either by just. Uh, general creative uh, clusterfuck or or perhaps a uh, unintentional dose of reality they seem intent on uh, introducing these well he maybe he's born with it maybe it's maybelline yes and i tell you now um i will not be surprised if you find out that ash's parents one of his parents was po- was a pokemon <laughs> what's a pokemon well and that's why he has the supernatural ability no. To catch them all. The, the Pikachu well, that Ash has, his mother was a Mew, and his father <laughs> was a Gyarados. I don't know. Are, the, are those still things? I don't know. I but, don't know. But, I know there are people that are still way into Pokemon, and you know what? Who am and, I, and, a 30-year-old person who uh, loves uh, video games, cartoons, and anime, to tell somebody what to like? But, yeah. you know... But, well, but I th- here's the thing, and you notice, like, and, and maybe maybe we are being unfair by singling out, say, Bleach and Yu Hakusho, but it's interesting how they wait until fairly far into the series to give you these revelations. I mean, I guess there's perfectly good reason for the drama of it and the, <gasps> really? But, but, what ha- one of the effects is that you basically have a an audience that is like, wow, maybe I could, maybe I could be great, too, get you into the series where you really invest like wow maybe i could really and then like no no it's genetic no if oh you, well, your parents aren't whatever you want to be ah sorry kid not gonna for you well, i think it build you up now we're gonna knock you down i think it happens late in the series because you know it it's all it's it's got to be an afterthought like it's got to be the afterthought of well no, no human could be this this powerful. So obviously, you know, we have to introduce. Uh, okay, some super- okay, I'm, but, ba- I'm about oh. to uh, drop some Paul Harvey Sorry. on you. Um, oh. You know, uh, there was there's something I, I listened on Paul Harvey years ago talking about um, how the story of the Virgin Birth came to be, mm-hmm. um, and how it was added by the church. You know, years and years after Christ's death, where you know uh, Jesus couldn't just be a person. You know, he he had he had to be the Son of God, and he had to have you know this immaculate conception. Mm-hmm. You know, he couldn't he he couldn't be born of man, and and that's kind of how I feel about you know sort of the the bleach stuff is like why 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 can't Jesus just be a person? You know mm-hmm. why? Why do we have to add that to the narrative that he was something else? I mean, I think I think it's more poignant when when the person is is like you and me and is realistically depicted as going through these hardships to reach a certain goal. Um, when 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 they become divine 
or you know soul reaper demon quincy um made out of rubber <laughs> well actually it, cheapen, it cheapens it i think you know yeah. that's interesting to go back to the early church on that because they also i mean there were a lot of controversies in the first century or two um over you know like the nature of christ and whether he was you know and it, it was at some point considered unorthodox for you know to believe that oh jesus was just like this illusion and he only pretended to suffer and all this oh yeah so, the oh docetism oh those the docetism I thought those were the the Marcionites or the Montanists. You'll you'll have there's to forgive us, folks. You've got three people who took a shit ton of religion classes in college. There's actually Ooh, church like, college. There's actually Not a much number of more church fathering. Th- there's actually a number of those. Like some, like I said, Docetism is the idea that Jesus only pretend like was an illusion, not not yeah. like physically. And, like, the and other, then you, the far end was the Ebionites. The what? Wasn't the other end of the spectrum the Ebionites that he was completely? Aren't, aren't we all and, sitting in front of computers? Shouldn't somebody be googling this shit? I don't remember. <laughs> no, no, and here's why. But here's you also had the whole argument that that the access to that kind of knowledge uh, shallows our own knowledge because when you can look it up, you don't have to remember it anymore. That's true. But the, the three of us are fighting like hell to maintain what little minds we have left. But you also had like not just the physical you know the issue of physicality but you also had you know people arguing that the divine side swallowed up the human side so that didn't exist and you know they those things became unorthodox those things can were considered heretical for the same reason that you know like it does cheapen um you know jesus as the example so here's a yeah. fun note for anyone listening but um, for for any for any religious uh, debate you can think of in the modern world today, uh, they ain't got shit on the early church. Well, <laughs> actually, that's what I was about to say. Like the reason, like John, your example of, you know, like these characters, <clears throat> you know, backgrounds as being the divine swallowing up the the human. Yeah, I think that would be very foreign to us today like in America because a lot of especially more fundamentalist belief does kind of border on that monophysitism and docetism like Jesus was invincible and you know I can see that I can, there, there does seem to be well I don't know because it's that well it's it's like um, the the picture that we reference uh, all the time of Jesus versus Jesus, you know, that, yes. that you can find online. It's, it's J-E-E-Z-U-S, and, you know, he's wrapped in the American flag. He's ripped <laughs> as hell. He's got, you know, a belt of bullets around him. He's carrying a, a machine gun, and he's got a bald eagle on his shoulder. And, you know, yeah, exactly. He's, he's, a, actually, he's invincible. He's, you know, exactly. he's Goku. Exactly. <laughs> and and that's like what we want to see because the idea of suffering is I, I don't know, you could get into reasons why. There's actually a good book by Stephen Prothero called American Jesus and he goes through all these different evolutions that the image of Jesus takes in American history. 
it's really interesting because it kind of gives you that idea of how, you know, whether it's religion, whether it's philosophy, whatever it is, um, our ideas are always tied to those of the culture and we mm -hmm. don't realize it. We don't see what, where our blinders and our blind spots are. But. Oh yeah, we're we're definitely reading our own culture back into whatever, whether it be religion, art, any of that stuff. I mean, there, there's that baggage that that is almost impossible to to get rid of. And I think the the main problem is that we're unwilling to admit to the baggage. Yeah, well, I, well, either unwilling or completely unaware of it. I think for a lot of people, it is a complete unawareness. Oh yeah, definitely. Like, it, and I'm and I'm as guilty of it as anyone. Is well, it's, it's like it's, you it's, said that's, about... and that's when it gets you. It doesn't get you when you're aware of it. It gets you. It it that's when it really sucks you in. Is when you don't even know it's happening. It's like it's like you said about like you know all the religious disputes we have today have nothing on the early church. Actually, a lot of the religious disputes we have today mirror the exact same issues that they argued about and came up for, you know, came up with like guidelines for this is yeah. orthodox, this is heterodox. Well, they are similar arguments or they are similar problems or disputes, but I don't think they have anything on the passion no. with, with which the parties debated those issues. Nor I mean, do I think they're as well thought out. Oh no! Oh hell as, no! As the arguments, <laughs> no. The early church—they had a way with words, in the sense that th that <laughs> they measured an argument by pure tonnage of words. They, it, the the eloquence was there, but I think it was secondary to to Actual pound substance. Um, <laughs> I, all of those arguments, I think, were measured on on per pound of word. It, yes. We were just lucky that they were all very well done arguments. Well, not all of them were probably considered. Some of, they were interesting, if nothing else. I don't know. I can't think of any. Like it's been a while since let's, I've actually let's, read. Let's let's go. I mean, if we if if, if just for got to respect the crazy crap. Um, oh, what was what was Origins theory of uh, apocatastasis? Yeah, that yes. that everything came from God in the beginning, and things fell to different degrees. Basically, universal. Everything would come back. Yeah, that even the devil would eventually repent, come back up to God, but that the cycle would repeat itself, and the soul that became Jesus in this in this time period could be the devil in the next one or the the one that's the devil now could be Jesus the next time round it was all very speculative and you know but but holy shit i think my head just exploded yes respect for crazy crap <laughs> and the great thing is like you know in 2012 you know someone writes a book suggesting maybe you know like a there was a book called Love Wins that uh, a guy named Rob Bell wrote who had written like several other books. I've never read any of his stuff, but there was this huge freak out apparently because he suggested that maybe, you know, like hell isn't eternal and people flipped out. Really? Yes. That's not an, that's not a, I mean, that's obviously not that's a not a new idea, idea. Yeah. but I mean, even as far as 
Um, Because I can go back just a few years to Adam Hamilton's book. Um, I think it was Seeing Gray in a World of Black and White. Yeah. And I, and that is one of the positions that he kind of argues the possibility of when he sort of lays out how he can conceive of a universe that created by a, a loving God that contains hell and how can he make sense of that. And his version is it, – it was, it was actually really interesting because his version is – more to break it down into simplest, almost probably misrepresenting it terms, that hell is eternal only if you want it to be. That the people that are in hell are there by their own choice. The doors are the, the doors of hell are locked from the inside. Or yes, the inside. that that any of them can leave inside because the, the people that are there were the people that were so self that were so centered on themselves that they had no room for God or anyone else. So they basically are in an afterlife of their own making, which is one in which every being there will do anything and everything only for themselves. And if any of those souls are able to realize that and turn away from it, they can leave. That they're only there because their own their own self-centeredness has put them there. That that sounds more or less like life. <laughs> Uh, well, can, 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 can we go ahead and argue? Uh, can we go ahead and agree on this? That that we're in a hell where most people are just centered on themselves. Can we? we can we leave now? Can we go to heaven? We we there's are, actually uh, there's a book there and describe. Can we get raptured? Actually, that if we don't release is, another podcast ever again, you know what happens, folks. Rapture. Yep. There's uh, a book. Uh, by C.S. Lewis called The Great Divorce, where he kind of it's it's actually a novel where he kind of explores that idea, like it's it's set in this afterlife, and um, it's just this like gray city where every everyone is moving further and further apart. It's getting darker and darker, and you know, for that reason, and you know the main character takes a trip up to the highlands or whatever, and you kind of have this moment where or no, he's got kind of his like Virgil-like guide mm. and... He's uh, motivated. <laughs> he's motivated. But yeah, like, and his guide shows him all these different people who are you know, like, can't let go of that, you know, all those sort of issues and that's what's keeping them from moving on into heaven. Hmm. But and and the idea is that you know like if you end up in heaven everything you will find that everything you know even in life was a part of heaven and if you end up in hell everything in life was a part of hell dude dude i i think it bears saying at this juncture that for the last 15 to 20 minutes the three of us have been deep as fuck <laughs> yeah <laughs> It's weird. Do oh, we need some t-shirts that say Chainsaw Buffet deep as fuck? Oh. Yeah, I almost feel like we need to get back on what we were talking about with like heroes and, you know. I, we've always been on it. I, I, I don't think we ever left the topic. No. I think this has been a, an organic progression. So, but, somehow, Bleach led to a 
deep <laughs> religious and spiritual discussion. And that I mean, might be the greatest thing that anyone will ever be able to say about Bleach. Guess what? Is that crazy, though? Because the heroes, the heroes you have and the stories you tell with those heroes, um, is this kind of like the whole line about the monsters of a culture define them or whatever? The heroes define the values. And yeah, if you believe in a meritocracy, then of course you believe that, you know, um, you know, I'm going to be the very best that no one ever was by training in a hyperbolic time chamber. And if you believe that some people are just born special, then, you know, you get, uh, so now here, well, this, okay, this, and this bring, might bring up an interesting point is let's go to a show like Dragon Ball Z where you basically start off with the concept that this guy is special. Like, right. like by his very nature, he is special. So, can a show? Does a show like that still? Does it imply any sense of you can do this too? Do you think? Here's here's um here's the interesting thing about uh, Dragon Ball and and Dragon Ball Z in particular. Um, what we just described. On purpose or on accident, there's more than a few Jesus parallels with Goku, and not just <laughs> that he dies and comes back. <laughs> you know, it's it's exactly as you described from from you know the very beginning. You know that he's special because he ha- he has a monkey tail. Mm-hmm. Um, and and early Dragon Ball is a very different beast from Dragon Ball Z. Um, it, for anyone who's who's seen the two shows. Um, I don't know how much of the you can do this too uh, narrative there is. There's more of it in the first one with Krillin because mm-hmm. because he and Krillin grow up together. Yeah. Um, but anyone who's watched Z for you know any length of time knows that you know by the time you get to the end, uh, Goku is is far superior even to the people of his own race. Hmm. You know, he he is a transcendent character. Um, there, there are multiple attempts in the show to bring someone else in as the hero, like Gohan, mm-hmm. um, and yet they they fail to close the deal. You know, Goku has to come back from the dead to, yeah. to pick up everyone else's slack, and that's, that's well. Then maybe, maybe then that that is in a way how it how it holds on to the the meritocratic meritocratic uh, viewpoint. Then, even because. He comes to Earth and he's better than all the Earthlings by his very nature. But at least with regard to Dragon Ball Z, from the outset, he is given challenges far beyond any human challenge as well, or and far beyond himself. It's not a special hum- It's not a special alien versus humans. It's his set of challenges are for him the same level of difficulty that our challenges are for us that, that that his skill versus challenge is not out of proportion to our with own. with with what ours would be and i and i'm not saying that in I, any of these shows that idea is implied or or, I think there or anything there are instances of that with, especially with krillin in certain parts of the show because he, krillin more than any of the other characters is aware of his own limitations and mm. and i think that makes sense considering you know, he w- he started out as being you know a little bit better than Goku as a kid, 
into oh my god what is this monster yeah um so so there there is some degree of that um yeah i i i wonder what that says though um to to say you know to to sort of look at it in through the lens of there are people out there that are better than you, but you'll have your own challenges uh, that that you will be tailored for. And maybe Krillin's a good example. It's the, you know, he doesn't. Maybe Krillin is a real hero in Dragon Ball Z because, despite the fact that the challenges he is often faced with are the ones that even Goku is going to have to train to defeat, so he is way out of his league as it as it goes on nevertheless he never uses that as an excuse to quit like he never he never he never he never has that he never just sort of says nah screw it and packs his I'll, I'll let goku do this yeah i mean he i mean he he still continues training and trying to improve even though he has to understand there's no way he can ever He'll he'll never be equal to Goku, but he doesn't treat that as a negative. He's he's still so. So what you're saying is that him. we can't all be Goku, but you know we can at least work hard and be Krillin. Yes. Well, yeah, and, but... and that being Krillin is not a bad thing, because I mean Krillin's not necessarily an unhappy fellow. I well, mean he's well, not necessarily unfulfilled. He 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 did the best with what he had. He he made yeah. he he made the best of himself. Yeah. I mean, he's got as much, I mean, in the sense of, say, perseverance, he is he is easily Goku's equal. Mm-hmm. And maybe even more so because he had to do that without having that natural edge. Right. The idea that it's, um, it's not like the quantity of a virtue that is worth something. It's what you have to do to get from where you naturally are to... Where you Maybe. want to be, want to be. Well, and 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 then yeah, and then his laudable his, and then his attitude in it, not basically not being overall defeatist. That just because he can't attain that level, he shouldn't even try. Well, I think one one of the things, especially though, with action, um, action movies, action shows, um, he's. It, it sounds like, I mean, we're talking about this character. He's trapped in a world where only one thing matters, fighting, your fighting ability. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, each challenge is going to be bigger and bigger and bigger. And, you know, that that's one type of story, but it's not the only type of story. And I this is kind of a tangent I wanted to get to earlier, but I feel like, kind of where we are culturally is every story either has to the the sequel or the next chapter has to be either bigger or it has to be um, to zoom out and tell this whole backstory around it. And I don't know that's the way things necessarily need to be. Well, in the sense of the, the you'll always face bigger challenges. Um, that actually, I think, mirrors a lot of reality in the sense of um, 
Every challenge that you that you run up against seems bigger because of how many challenges you faced before it, and and that doesn't necessarily mean it is bigger, but it's just um, the the more things that you know how to do, the harder it becomes to to figure out something that you don't. Yeah, and the sense that. Well, in, in the sense of something like Dragon Ball Z, where you say, you know, you're in a world where only one thing matters, fighting. Now think about, you know, the people that are watching that show are eventually going to go out into the real world, get a job in which one, only one thing is probably going to matter. Like whatever they decide to, whatever occupation or whatever they decide to do with, with whatever they decide to follow in their lives, chances are there's going to be one, th unless they, you know, change careers a lot. There's there is the sense that you're gonna find one thing, you're probably and it's gonna become the only thing that matters. If you find something you like doing, that will become the one thing that matters most. To to a certain extent, there's also in a lot of cases it it requires a team of people with different skill sets um, to do anything, and you you actually do need people with different skill sets and different ways of looking at a problem to solve it. So. But that problem is going to be probably in one arena. I mean, if you're yeah. talking about getting people with different skill sets together to solve, say, a programming problem, you're still in the programming arena where chances are these people have studied, have worked to become programmers. Well, not necessarily because, uh, especially programming, um, there's issues of, like, um, designing and architecting the problem the solution to the problem, you know, the technical knowledge to pull something off is not the same as, you know, the knowledge of how to organize data or even the knowledge of, you know, the business issue. Well, but keep in mind, too, you're talking, about, you're you're to talking about group dynamics. Yeah, but in those the are sense all different of one, skills. In the sense of one person's journey, I mean, if you're going to gain any depth of knowledge in a subject, or or skill in a in a particular arena, it does mean not developing that level of skill or depth of knowledge in something else. Exactly, and, and that's kind of my point. Like, um, well, one of the reasons I liked a uh, good example is uh, more Beto. Mm -hmm. Like, the main character is like the awesome fighter, but there's still kind of room for other characters that do more mundane things. Like yeah. the herbalist, the blacksmith, things like that, who aren't, um, and and it, they aren't kind of looked down upon as secondary and only necessary, you know, for background things. They're actually full fledged mm -hmm. characters that are kind of equal, you know, equal to the main character. Hmm. So, I don't know. That's that's what I mean about fighting being the only. Yeah. I yeah, a lot of shows, though, have that problem of... It's very rare when you have a show like Morbi, though, where all the characters matter. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's it's hard to do um, for, for a number of reasons. Sometimes it's just the creator comes up with this really cool character in mind, and uh, he runs with it. And that's yeah. all he cares about. And the other characters are just there to serve as... Uh, 
adornments for for the story. Yeah. Well, you bring up a good point because that is an issue inherent in the concept of the and it and it shows up not just in fighting animes but maybe more prevalent in it is the I'm going to be the best there ever was. That does not let necessarily lend itself very well to ensemble casting. I mean, you're going to yeah. have a cast of characters because you have to you have, have to actions. Well, and for yeah, I mean, really to get people involved to sell merchandise. I mean, especially when you're talking about something like anime or, or anything or cartoons, anything for a level that merchandising is a big part of. Um, and that's where, but but yeah, any any time you see any that that mindset of I'm gonna be the best or was when when that is what your story is gonna be about, it doesn't necessarily preclude, but it definitely diminishes the ability to have a competent ensemble cast. Right. Yeah. You just because if you're I mean if you're if you're just gonna focus on Ichigo or Yusuke or Goku becoming the best, well. What good is it if someone else becomes as good? Because then your main character is not the best. Yeah. At, at, at what cost to the other characters around you is is he achieving his goal? Exactly. Yeah. And to and every show will do that to a different level. Um, I and granted I haven't watched Bleach in a while, but Bleach was one that I felt sidelined a lot of secondary characters early on. Well, now it's sidelined its main characters <laughs> for like six months. <laughs> like like uh, this this current arc with uh, the the visors and and the Iran car and shit. Like I haven't seen Ichigo in an episode in like six months. There are people. Yeah. I, I don't think Ichigo has uh, figured prominently into a new episode of Bleach since Tsunami came back. They, I just they, turn on the TV and I just know it's going to be completely different and I'm going to have no context. So I just I. I like, tune it out. I, I want to hear what, what new food at Taco Bell Cheers. they're advertising this week. Mm. Los Doritos Tacos or the Cantina Steak <laughs> Grill or whatever it is they're doing in, in yeah. Waco Mundo. Uh, <laughs> and that, that, and, and in that way, Bleach is also a weird one because I remember watching a few episodes just because I happened to be up late around that time when they, when they, when they first I think it was the first time they sidelined Ichigo for a, for a decent amount of time, which was when the, all the swords came alive or whatever. Yes. <laughs> the, 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 not the main story of that, but then the... The, the Zanbakuto fill. filler. Yeah, because, well, wasn't the... Like, the original Zanbakuto story with Masamune or whatever, that one, was that filler or is that, that in the... That was filler, and then they made more filler. It's sad when you have they... to say the original Zanpakuto story. When you, like... when you make a copy of a copy, <laughs> this is, you're talking filler of a filler. I watched Multiplicity. I, I know how this works. I, I think that you that, that was just Michael more Keaton. filler. That they ended the fight with Masamune, and then they just had the Zanpakuto stick around because they had all these character designs. And they thought, oh, we'll just get to know them a little bit better. So we can merchandise them. It's it's like they they couldn't leap home because uh, Ziggy hasn't figured out what they're supposed to do. The all of those all of all of those episodes are the retarded Michael Keaton. Yes, <laughs> that is what the filler of the filler is. That thank God I've not seen many shows that have re- resorted to filler of filler. I I am just happy with the thought that somewhere in America. 
There's somebody who started watching Bleach for the very first time when Toonami came back and has no fucking clue who the main character in that show really is. I love that idea. <laughs> like, I just, I want to believe it. That's not a horrible I, thing. I'm going to have I'm gonna have a picture of Ichigo, and then I'm going to, you know, Photoshop it over the UFO in Mulder's poster, and it's just going to say, I want to believe. <laughs> That's not a horrible thing to have a show where you can't tell who the main character is. Unless the show is named after the main character, in which case. And that's part of the problem with Bleach, since it's not called Ichigo's Magical Adventures. Um, the people that came in... Though, though Bleach is apparently a reference to his hair. Yeah, like, that that's what they called him. Good for him. But... Um, You're forgiven for it, not no, knowing this, not, because that is... was 200 episodes ago. <laughs> yes. That's before uh, Ichigo got his pair of shoes. Um, Jesus Christ. It's a new world <laughs> now, man. But since it's not a, a specific named reference, I can see very I can I can see very clearly how someone could come in on that story arc and then when Ichigo comes back, then wonder, now who's this new character? Why does everybody seem to know him? 